Hey, this is Steve, and thanks for tuning in to episode number seven of the Endurance Path podcast with me, Steve. Okay, so this is episode seven. I've kicked out a few episodes that was going back in time and revisiting some 2014 race reports. Uh, I had an episode that was my July recap and dove into some training that I was doing and a few other things. Uh, And then I kicked out a race report from uh, 2015, kind of skipped out of order, but since the Matahe 100 is actually happening uh, tomorrow as of when I'm recording this, uh, I went ahead and kicked that out. That being said, the Or to Shore Epic is happening in another week, and so I decided to jump ahead to 2016 race reports when I did the Or to Shore Epic myself up in Marquette, Michigan. So that's what you're going to listen to here. And uh, we'll just kind of jump into it. It, it, Well, actually, for those, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is, like I said, this is episode seven. I'm kicking off a podcast, and part of me kicking off this podcast is to go back in time and and make some audio of some of my old race reports, because that's actually traditionally what has brought people to my website is reading, reading the race reports. And I've I've gotten a lot of good feedback on the race reports. People use them to help them plan races or get an idea of what a race is like uh, and all those types of things. So I thought the audio would just add another, you know, add to that and and, uh, add another level to it. Anyways, that being said, so this is my race report from the 2016 or to shore epic. If you don't know what that race is, it's, it's actually, it's a really good race. Um, it's, uh, I think, 48 miles. It's a point-to-point race up in Marquette County, Michigan. So this is the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, it's really, really fast. Uh, if I remember correctly, the, the winners averaged 19-some uh, miles per hour. And there's not a lot of climbing to it. Uh, according to my race report, and I haven't looked at this recently, but I uh, had written that it was only about 1500 feet of elevation and some of those climbs only actually being about 200 feet and taking over a mile. So it, it's a, it's a really fast paced race. Uh, some have considered it a road race on dirt. You very well can consider that because there's a lot of pace lines, even though you are hitting a lot of ATV, uh, Jeep type trails. Uh, there's some sand on the course. Uh, there's a couple of the trails at the beginning that I remember being a little bit of rock. Um, and then there's a power line section where there is a, there is at least one hike a bike. I think I was off the bike three times, but two of those were, I think one was a sandy spot and I, I quite honestly can't remember the other one. Uh, but I had written that there was three times in the, in the race report. But again, this is the year 2000. 17 when I'm actually recording this. So I'm, I'm recording this a year after doing it. Uh, but my race report was written right after the race in 2016. So this is just me going back in time. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun race though. It's a really, really cool race. It's not an easy race. So something that I've learned over time is that just because a course is, is easier uh, as far as elevation goes, or maybe not as much technical type of riding, doesn't mean the race is going to be easier. Sometimes those races are harder because the the intensity and the speeds go what much higher. Uh, 
And I, I, I've been asked before what I thought about this race as far as uh, comparing it to, say, a Lutzen type of terrain or a um, uh, Chihuahuagan type of terrain. And it's it's really, really kind of neither. I guess it's, you know, it's got uh, the distance of, say, the Czech 40, um, but it, you know, it does not have, and maybe, maybe some of the ATV Jeep trails could be somewhat similar to what you find on, um, the Lutzen. Uh, but the Lutzen also has a lot of, a lot of gravel roads and the, the order shore does not, if I remember correctly, does not have much gravel road. It's just a lot of, uh, two track ATV trails and that type of thing, snowmobile trails. Uh, there was a little bit of, a little bit of single track toward the end. So anyways, I'll jump right into the report. Okay, so there's a, uh, well, let me step, take a step back here real quick. The, the start line, when I did this in 2016, there's a hundred racer preferred start. And then after that, they have some signs up to, you know, help you set your bike up based on your anticipated finish. Uh, that, uh, just kind of, kind of give you an idea. So I was not part of the preferred start. So I had set my bike, oh, back a few rows behind the preferred start gate. Uh, my report here, I said, I think I set it back four or five rows back. Uh, maybe I went into it, uh, pretty confident that I could finish under three hours. Uh, thought I could do it under two hours and 50 minutes if I had a good race, uh, under 240 would probably be the race of my life being that, yeah, I wasn't going to be in the preferred start date. I'd have to make up, make up some spots in a already very fast moving, moving race. Um, so, but anyway, uh, the rollout was fast. Uh, there was a really sharp S turn less than a quarter mile from the start line. Uh, so we, we were still under a pace car rollout and I, I didn't actually see one one close call. Sometimes in those fast rollouts, you see a lot of people jockeying for position and somebody will break check or something like that. But I, I didn't see anything like that. Uh, things heated up right after the S turn and people started making some moves though. We followed some paved streets that led us out onto some ATV trail on the edge of town where we started hitting a few hills. Looking back at my Strava data, uh, I had averaged 25.6 miles per hour in that first two mile roll out to kind of give you an idea of the speeds that, uh, this thing was taken off on. So I took off strong, but I held back a few matches. Uh, my legs had been feeling a little bit heavy, but, but still, you know, working strong, obviously with being able to hold that speed at the beginning, the, uh, my legs at the time probably should have been feeling a little bit heavy, but I, I was a little concerned. I was, I was hoping they'd feel a little bit fresher. I was to kind of go back to that time frame, I was in between a couple training blocks that I was doing in preparation for the Margie Gessick 100 that would take place uh, in the same area in September. Um, so we uh, we hit the ATV trails. The ATV trails would take us up another 200 feet over the next mile and a half with a little bit of rougher trail that included some sharp and some jagged, jagged rocks. Uh, I actually do remember this too. There was a fat biker in front of me that uh, had gotten a puncture because you could see the sealant spraying out of it like uh, 
like a sprinkler on every revolution of the tire. So it it had, I remember it looking like it was starting to seal up. Somebody else had commented on it too, but uh, I lost him in the crowd. I don't know how, if it sealed up or, or whatever, but um, uh, there were some short, short little hills there. And I remember being able to, I was picking off some places in traffic on those short hills, but at the same time, there was other guys around me trying to do the same thing, trying to, uh, you know, non-preferred start gates, trying to work their way up into that front hundred. And, uh, there was guys passing me as well, uh, and were stronger than me. Anyways, uh, we eventually passed over a County road, hit some rail trail type of path, and then briefly dumped out on a, on a city street, uh, as we passed through Ishmaming. The, and the, I just remember, I do remember this still. It, it was just flying by the start of it was. I had wrote that in my report too. The miles were flying by as we were on a crazy fast pace. And I knew we were not far from the first aid station at the 10 mile mark. We weaved through a few dirt paths under the highway next to the railroad tracks and came through aid station one. I felt like I probably gained some spots in traffic up to this point, but it's kind of hard to tell with such a such a mass start. We were on a long, so this is uh, aid station one to aid station two. We were on a long rail trail after passing through the first aid station. And I could see another line of riders way up the trail. I, I actually can remember this too. I picture this. Um, but I was feeling decent and I decided to make an attempt at bridging the gap. About halfway across, I started regretting it. This, this happens way too often, but I knew I was closing in. So I, I finally caught onto the back of them just before we came to a granny pace as we made a hard left onto some ATV trail through a mud hole where there was basically a big traffic jam. So that was de- definitely a, a wasted effort uh, as the line of riders that I had left behind me were all back on my tail now as we piled up around this mud hole heading up this ATV trail. So Anyways, I had written in my race report, I guess this is where knowing the trail better is uh, can come in handy. And I had also written in there, it was, it, it was rail trail, but it's not like it's easy closing a gap on dirt when folks you're dropping and the ones you're chasing are already doing 19 to 21 miles per hour. So um, that's difficult on a, on a road bike. Uh, anyways. So we were back out on some gravel road again, and then it seemed like we weaved in and out of a couple gravel roads and short ATV paths before finding ourselves on a few miles of backcountry ATV trail, and then another easy gravel two-track path up to aid station two. I think it was somewhere in here that we got jammed up at a short but wet little bridge over a washed-out section of trail, or creek bed or something. It was also around this area that another rider had gone down in the trail in front of us. I remember this. Most of us jumped on the brakes, but then I also heard somebody behind yell out, on your left, as they're going to pass us as we're all hitting the brakes for this guy in the middle of the trail. Uh, So I had had written in my race report at the time, I know it was a race, but we had a guy down on the trail in front of us. So luckily he was getting up. And I had actually yelled out to him, asked if he was okay. okay. He said, yeah, I think so, as he was getting back on his bike. Anyways, the pace picked back up again, and eventually that rider that had crashed earlier was back up with us and eventually disappeared in front of me. It's not that there was really 
it's not a lot of technical writing, but I, I remember this. So I, I, I wrote about this in the, the race report, but it was really wet and there's, it is rocky there. There's rock sections and you get some of the loose gravel. So some of those ATV trails, and if you've ridden like ATV trails and stuff, you know, there's not, they're not predictable, right? The, they get washed out or kind of ruddy and, you know, if it's, if it's wet or it rained hard, the, the waters, you know, runs down them and, and creates a little rut. So, I mean, there was a couple of times I remember coming, flying, coming into a corner and then coming in the corner, maybe a little too hot or something and almost washing out the front end or having to get to the brakes heavy. And, and if you're in traffic and stuff, it can just get, get a little shaky. So I also, my race report to you, I had some comments in here about my shock pressure and stuff. So I, it was running a full suspension, full suspension, 29ers, same bike I ride this year, but, um, and I don't remember it, but I had wrote about it here in the race report. So apparently I, and I, I've done that this year as well. And some other race I did it for Lutzen this year, but, um, I had, pump my tires up a little bit harder, put a little extra air in my shocks and type, tighten the damping down. And apparently I was regretting that a little bit. Just, I don't know, you know how it is. Sometimes if you put too much air in the tire, right, you don't have enough, you lose a little bit of traction. So anyways, so aid station two to aid station three. And by the way, I, I didn't stop at any of the aid stations for this race. And, uh, so not to go go too much off script, but that's actually the the whole point of this is I'm going back reading these, but then in hindsight and whatnot, I can share some extra extra thoughts. So even when I get to my current race reports, I'll write them up and I'll probably post them out there, the written versions, uh, a day or two or something before I actually record. That way, when I'm going back and recording it, I'll probably have some additional thoughts that I can add to it, and uh, I think it'll provide more value out of the pod podcast version, uh, versus just me, you know, verbatim reading them. But anyways, I didn't use any of the aid stations. If I remember correctly, I had a water bottle on the bike with, uh, just some water. And then I think I had a, a carbo rocket mix in my, uh, two liter hydration pack. And I might have taken, uh, I took a gel in there at some point at least one gel. And, uh, but I think I had taped a couple of gels on my top tube just in, just in case I needed them. So, um, it was either, either that, or I had the carbo rocket in my water bottle and just water my pack. I, I actually can't remember. Uh, but anyways, so eight station two to eight station three. Uh, I had felt like this five miles of trails where I lost ground in the race overall. I took off strong from the start line and hung in there for quite a while. I burnt and wasted a few matches by bridging some gaps that would have been pulled in anyways because of backups and corners, the little wet bridge crossing, crossing, and then somebody going down on the trail. I was starting to pay a little bit now for, uh, I was starting to pay for it a little bit now and knew that I needed to regroup a bit. I wasn't feeling bad, but I also knew I wouldn't be able to hold that same pace for another hour and a half if I didn't kind of dial it back a little bit and regroup. Uh, I jumped off and hiked up a sandy section at the start of the power lines. As uh, I, I, I remember it, that section actually. So it's just one of those sandy sections where you're kind of like 
you're putting so much effort into spinning through the sand. And I, at the time I just jumped off and ran through it. But then after you jump off and you're like, wow, that was a lot of effort too to hike through it. So, but anyways, there were, there was other people riding it. There was some, a few other people jumped off just like I did, but then came misery Hill and I could see the line of riders hiking it as I had approached. I jumped off a little early and started hiking it. I lost a few spots in traffic because there was a few folks that were able to ride up further and then you know, before we all kind of, you know, fell in line, you know how that is. Um, I remember this being, it being just wet because, uh, so the misery Hills, it's, it's kind of rocky, but then coming down the other side of it, when you can remount and ride, uh, there's some exposed rock. And I just remember it being pretty wet and, and slippery. But anyways, I took it, I took it easy on the slick, wet, rocky downhills in the power line section, lost a few spots in line there. There's some other folks that, knew what they were doing more than me and, uh, or at least braver. And, uh, but I also picked off some spots myself as well. So, right. There, it's, it's always a mix like that. Um, I kind of, that wet slippery rock is a perfect place to go down when you're exhausted and your, your bike handling skills are not doing well. So when I came out of that section, cause there's a little bit of the walking there, And you know what? I think that's where the third walk spot was sometime in the power line section after after Misery Hill. I might have jumped off again for some reason. Anyways, when I came out of there, I was was under 16 miles per hour average and uh, knew I was going to have some work to do to get back to that sub three hour that was kind of like my drop dead bottom line goal. So uh, aid station three to aid station four. And if you read my race reports online, you know that I, I usually try to break the race reports up by checkpoints or aid stations and whatnot. So uh, anyways, when we popped out on the road after the power lines, I was feeling good again. And then the short little dial back of pace was exactly what I'd needed. I was ready to hammer on things again. And I believe this is where I started hooking up with a few other riders and taking turns with some poles. At times there might be a line of 15 to 20 riders, but I was always, and I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the best at racing smart. Um, I guess more so in, especially like race like this, but cause this was a, a, a fast paced race. And so I, sometimes I, I did this in my, the first time I rode races, I have a tendency to. I don't want to get dropped off the back, spit out the back, right? So when the pace is hard and things are moving fast, you can always see it in a race, right? It's always the last guy on the tail is the next one to get spit off the back. And sometimes maybe it's not not him or maybe like the last three guys get spit off the back because the, the you know the, the racer three, four from the back starts to fall off and then the, the ones behind them just get caught up in it and can never get back on in that, that group in front of them. And so it's, I'd never, never want to be in that, that position, even to the detriment. Cause sometimes then I end up finding myself taking more pulls than I really need to. But, um, and that, that's, I had writ, uh, written in here was at times there might be a line of 15 to 20 riders, but I would always tried to stay near the front of it. Even if it meant taking extra pulls, I guess I would rather take a few extra pulls, pushing the pace, than get forced off the back of the line because of somebody else falling off pace. It was definitely a fast paced group but we were all still in different places when it came to the hills and the pace line would usually blow up or turn into a blob about a quarter way up any of the hills. 
I came through mile 28 feeling pretty good and taking the pull. We made the left-hand turn up 510, just the name of the road there. And um, and I could see we would climb for a bit and knew that we would we could really fall off pace here if, if we uh, let off too much. And it's not like it was a uh, a huge climb. It was definitely a, definitely a good hill, right? It's all relative, right? So I'm thinking back to it now, but I just came off of racing the wilderness where we, you know, climb for 20 plus minutes at a time. This was not that situation at all. So, uh, this was a hill you could, you could still get out and do some, some short hill repeats on. So but anyways, I, uh, I stood up on the pedals coming out of the corner when we made that left-hand turn and, uh, kept a strong pace up the climb. I felt, I felt it when we got to the top, but if I remember the course profile correctly, I knew it was mostly downhill from there and figured I could burn a few matches up the hill. Sure enough, at the top of the hill, turned off into some more ATV or double track trail and we're headed downhill again. Aid station four to aid station five. At this point, I can't remember a lot of the specifics of the trail. This is, this is what I had written in the report. So, uh, so definitely a year later now, I definitely can't remember a lot of it, but, but I think it was more double track snowmobile or ATV type trail. Um, I remember it being fast with a couple of fairly steep downhills. Um, I can't remember exactly how it happened or why, but I do remember dropping to the back of the line at some point. And I, I still remember this today, actually. I was getting antsy, but kept my cool, sat in for a mile or so to pull things together and take in some fluids. I was getting worried, though, because I had heard there was a new single track section and thought we would be coming to it soon and didn't want to be in the back of the train when we entered it. These guys were all moving fast and staying on task, but everybody fatigues, and I didn't want to be the last guy in line for two miles of the only single track in the race. We eventually popped down on a gravel road, and I jumped out of the line, made my way up to the front. Ironically, dumped into the single track only seconds later, and I was pumped to hit it first. Now I, now I didn't want to be the guy holding up everybody on the single track, right? So uh, I had to hammer the trail right after burning a match to pull myself to the front. It was newer single track, but it was still fast, and I felt like I rocked the single track. I do remember that. I, I flowed through that stuff pretty good. I, I had a good rip through that single track. Um, I was burnt when I came out the other end of it, but there was one other rider that was right on my tail coming out of the single track. But I had actually, I remember that, I actually pulled away from most of that group along with that other rider through a portion of that. So I think what happened, actually looking back to it, because that that section of single track we actually rode in the Margie Gessick 100. Um, but I think that little gravel section of road that I had made my pass on was not at the very entrance of that single track. Because so if I remember correctly, that single track starts by like a, maybe after the railroad crossing or something, and there's a you kind of go off of a gravel road, make a right, and you only go a few hundred yards on a kind of a wider trail. Then you dump out on the road, I think by the railroad tracks. And then that's when you hit the actual single track. But anyways, this is going to, this is going from memory from like a, a year ago. But um, anyways, so aid station five to the finish line of the order shore. I was in the home stretch and I could feel the fatigue setting into the legs. There was one really steep short climb somewhere in here that was sandy, but I made it all the way up. 
My legs were spent at the top of it, and it took me a few spins to get my legs back under me. I probably should have had taken another gel a few miles back, uh, as I had only touched one of them so far. So that, that confirms what we were talking about earlier, right? I only had one gel. However, at this point, I knew I was in the home stretch, and there wasn't any fuel that was going to hit my system in time to do me any good before the finish line at this point. So I pushed through. We hit some more trail that was kind of like single track, but not quite that narrow. And I think we rode some of that on the Margie Gessick as well, but maybe the opposite direction. Um, I was pretty focused and knew we were closing in on the finish. I was on a great pace and way under my three-hour bottom line goal, even though the fatigue was getting heavier. I heard a ghosty from the woods, but didn't see who it came from. And I was thinking it was Ben... Mullen at the time from the Wooly Bike Club, and sure enough, it was later confirmed. I wrote it here in my race report. It's always nice to get a shout out from a familiar voice. I knew I only had a couple of more miles of trail, and then I should be hitting some rail trail or roads to the finish line. The last couple of miles went by quick before I popped out on the road and then was directed toward a rail trail. I was on the edge of town now, and I knew I was close to the finish. I could see some folks lined up on the side of the path cheering us on and then popped out on a road again. Uh, I could see the finish and was in full effort at this point, as I always like to come across the finish, feeling like I left everything out there. I ended up across the finish line in 98th place overall at a time of 2 hours, 46 minutes, and 4 seconds. So I've got some post-race thoughts that I wrote up uh, at the time. You can definitely read through them in the the race report. I don't think I'm going to read through them verbatim, um, but it's close enough time. I can I can tell you, like I I was pretty pumped about my my time and my finish on that. I always want to go, always want to go faster. Um, but sometimes, like I'll err on the side of I don't know. I I like to go out strong in a race, um, because I like I'm not. I'm not going to win this race, right? So I I can get more out of it by just kind of seeing where I stand. How hard can I handle going out? At what point will I fall apart if I go out really strong? And I don't know. I, I tend to do that. And I usually, you know, I have some improvement that I can gauge there. So I have a couple things. Like I I not only can gauge, okay, did I do better in this race than I had in the past? You know, did I finish a race faster? or place better. And then also if I go out hard in races, am I able to stay, um, with that effort longer each time? You know, I don't know. There's different ways to look at it. It's, um, I don't, I don't go into every race thinking that, okay, this is my smartest play for this race. I, I go into races and think like, okay, well, this is, this is one of my goals of this race is uh, finishing time. And then another goal of this race is to see sometimes it has to do with, you know, uh, how hard can I go out and for how long, or, you know, maybe a certain section of the, the race I want to push hard, or maybe, you know, how many miles from the finish can I kick it up and can I stay with it? That type of thing. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Every, I, I really enjoy the racing and just different ways to, to look at it all. So I was, but I was excited about finishing the top 100. I mean, anytime that 
This is for anybody, right? Like anytime you can finish inside of a preferred start class field uh, or a per- preferred start field that you were not actually part of, um, to me, that's a that's a pretty big win there. Um, especially in a really short, uh, this is races. The thing is, order short is not short, but it's fast. So time-wise, it, it is a shorter race though, compared to traditionally, I think a lot of the folks that follow, you know, my race reports and stuff. So, um, but anyways, I, uh, I was also excited to make it up to that. That race was, had been on, uh, the list to go do. Everybody says it's a great race and it really is. It's, it, I like, if I remember correctly, there's like six or 700 people at the uh, start line in the race. So there's enough people to make it a really great race with enough, you know, wheel to wheel racing, but not so many people that it's just com- becomes completely overcrowded. So uh, it was really cool. But uh, I think, oh yeah, there's just a little bit of nerd out data. Um, I think, yeah, I had averaged 166 beats per minute heart rate for the duration of the race for two hours and 40 some minutes. And, uh, I had gotten a training peaks notification that I better bump my threshold heart rate up. But, um, at that time, but anyways, just some little extra data there. So if you go to, uh, my race report on there, you can, uh, you can read some of the other stuff on there. Uh, for each of these little housekeeping stuff, for each of these race reports, uh, or for each of these podcast episodes, I'm creating an actual page on my website. Uh, you know, so endurancepath.com slash podcast slash episode seven. And there's no space between episode and the number. So f- basically from here on out, or I guess from what I can foresee, it's endurancepath.com slash podcast slash episode two. Uh, No dash, no space. It's just episode two. But you'll be able to find any of the episodes and the information and links. So this one, episode seven, I'll have a link to the race report. Uh, And then I'll also put the uh, link to the audio within the race report itself. But within the race report is my Strava file. There's a little video, probably slightly boring because it's just some video clips of me that my wife took. And, uh, I think I've got a little extra commentary in the race report too, about, you know, waiting at the start line and chit chatting with some folks and that type of thing. But, uh, anyways, enjoy. If you get a chance to do the order short, I highly recommend it. I'm not going to be there this year. Um, but I'll, I'll probably be up to that race again at some point. I I liked it. I like getting up to, uh, Marquette. I actually kind of thought that there was a pretty good chance I was going to do that again this year, but, uh, that was a few months ago. So got to pick and choose. Anyways, a couple other things on the website. I recently just made it easier for you to find a race reports. So if you go to endurancepath.com slash race reports, one word, no space between the race reports, it should take you to a page that just lists all my race reports by year. Um, the URL actually is endurancepath.com slash blog slash race reports, but endurancepath.com slash race reports should take you there. Uh, to go along with that, I also created a bunch of menu dropdowns. So if you go to the uh, the blog, if you're on a non-mobile device, 
uh, and go to the blog menu. It'll drop down. You see race reports, and then you can actually, like 2017, 2016 will show up. If you hover over one of those years, then like all the race reports for that year will show up in a menu. Anyways, trying to make it a little easier to navigate and find the race reports and, and that type of thing for people. So if you have any other suggestions like that, let me know. And uh, next next podcast episode that comes out will probably be my Wilderness 101 report, most likely. No promises, but that's fair chance that'll probably be the next one. I should have the race report posted, I don't know, um, by Monday or something here. So fin- get it done over the weekend here. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. This is Steve. Later.